Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works, How and Why Studying Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, It Works, How and Why. Alright folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text. Get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. It works. How I study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 41. And begin with tradition three on page one forty four. But first, we're gonna give our introductions. Eric, what's happening? Hey, what up, fam? Uh, I'm an addict. My name's Eric. Clean date September sixteenth, twenty nineteen. In my home group is now the Waves of Recovery in uh, Bradenton, Florida, part of the Sun Coast. Oh, a little switch up. Thanks, Eric. What's up, Christine? Hey, I'm an addict. My name's Christine O, and my clean date is March 31st, 1994, and I attend meetings in the Virginia Beach and Tidewater area in Virginia. Thanks, Christine. What's up, Donna? Hey, everybody. It's Donna P. out here in Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is 11-22-1985. I live in the Lane County area here in Eugene, Oregon. My home group of Solutions for Living at 545 on Sunday. Come see us sometime. All right. Thanks, Donna. What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville, and I attend meetings in Central Western Pennsylvania. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Barb? Hey, go listen, everybody. I'm Barb R. I'm an addict. I'm, um, I live in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and my home group is Open Mind. My clean date is October 4th, 1995. Good to Thanks, be back. Barb. What's up, Andrew? Hello. Happy New Year, friends. My name is Andrew G. I'm an addict. My clean date is May 16th, 2008. My home group is No Matter What in North Atlanta, Georgia, y'all. All right. Thanks, Andrew. What's up, Will? And Will Addict. My clean date is February 27th of 2013. My home group is the Clean and Free Group, Nashville, Ohio. Meet Wednesday nights. Come join us. Thanks, Will. What's up, Jennifer? Hey everyone, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. My home group is The Journey Within. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Eva? Hey everybody, Eva P. here. Um, my clean date is June 10th, 2000. I uh, attend meetings in the Midwest Valley area in Salem, Oregon, and my home group is The Do It Hard Meeting. <laughs> Do It Hard, Eva. And our guest tonight, Melissa. What's up, Melissa? Hi, family. My name is Melissa and I'm an addict. My clean date is May 21st, 2015. My home group is the Spiritual Ninjas Group of Narcotics Anonymous in Slidell, Louisiana on Thursdays and Sundays at 6 p.m. And I'm grateful to be here tonight. Thanks for kicking up with us, Melissa. Our folks, I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000, Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right. Episode 41. It works. How I study for the anonymous podcast, page 144, tradition three, all the way at the top. It reads, Tradition 3, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. Barb, would you be willing to read the first two paragraphs and comment, please? 
Sure. Narcotics Anonymous offers recovery to addicts around the world. We focus on the disease of addiction rather than any particular drug. Our message is broad enough to attract addicts from any social class or nationality. When new members come to meetings, our sole interest is in their desire for freedom from active addiction and how we can be of help. The third tradition helps NA offer recovery to so many addicts by freeing us from having to make judgments about prospective members. It eliminates the need for membership committees or applications. We are not asked to make decisions about anyone's fitness for recovery. Since the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using, we as members have no reason to judge each other. And I love this tradition. And, and um, it is just the, the desire to, to um, you know, and, and I don't have to, I think it says down here that we can't, yeah, desire is not a measurable com commodity, you know. And what I've learned is the people that I thought would stay clean don't. And the people that I don't think will stay, you know, so I've learned, you know, quit. You don't know, you know. And I told my sponsor, I've got girls that say, they're on fire. And my sponsor says, they'll burn out. And a lot of times they do, you know, and then sometimes they don't, you know. I'm pretty lucky now that I got some women that are that are on fire. You know, they're going to the traditions and concepts. But um, I like that it's just, it, it, it's just a desire to quit using. You know, we don't have to do this thing perfect. You know, and a lot of us don't. I'm a retread. I think it's very important to say that it's not a prerequisite that you be a retread. I, I know many people that did not have to pick up, but I wasn't one of them, you know, and thank God all I had to have was the desire to keep coming back. And you guys told me keep coming back, you know, and now I'm sitting here with 28 years. So, you know, so um, I think that's about it for me. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Barb. I'm really grateful. There's there was no application process either. You imagine if, <laughs> feel one of those out kicking it up. Oh, oh, be real fucked up. What's up, Lisa? I would have been rejected too. I don't know if this is a thing in other regions. Maybe you guys can weigh in on this, but there are certain service positions in my region where you do have to fill out like an NA resume and like you have to write down your service qualifications. But geez, oh man, the pressure. Um, I I love this because like this doesn't just apply to like my judgment of other people because like when I was newer, I remember like being mandated by my PO in the very beginning and like looking at other people in meetings and being like, you're full of shit. You're not here for the right reason. You're only here because somebody told you to be here. And I did it like in treatment too. And, uh, you know, like sticking around in NA has taught me that like, that's bullshit. You know, like that was the me, that was my thinking when I wasn't ready to hear the message but here is all that matters. It doesn't matter why. Here is all that matters. And, you know, thank God for that. As much as the traditions teach me that about other people, I'm really glad that other people learned this before I got here. Because when I got here, I was also looking for reasons why I couldn't be a member because I used differently than you or I grew up differently than you or I was abused differently than you. Um, and there were people that like continued telling me at first, you know, they used to tell me, keep coming back. And it took me a while to learn that that's like a Southerner telling you like, oh, bless your heart. Um, I'm from the North <laughs> and I never knew what that meant, um, you know, but now I'm really glad that they told me to keep coming back because there were times where I did it just out of spite, you know, like no motherfucker's going to push me out of here. But, you know, now my decision to stay is is a very peaceful, very grounded, very spiritual decision that I get to make on a daily basis 
because of this tradition. Um, I don't just, you know, nowadays it's not so much the desire to stop using as it is the desire to stay stopped because like I can quit. I quit a thousand times, but staying stopped is the issue. And, you know, I've heard Will say a handful of times, like I have a fear that I'm going to die. If I leave NA, I share that fear. Um, so thank God for the third tradition that keeps me coming back with that. I will pass. Thanks for those comments, Lisa. Will, can you read the next two, starting with desire is not a measurable commodity? Yeah, Will, addicts, um, desire is not a measurable quality. It lives in the heart of each individual member. Because we can't judge the sole requirement for membership, we are encouraged to open wide the doors of our meetings to any addict who wishes to join. We are asked to extend to others the care and concern that helped each of us find a sense of belonging. The third tradition helps NA grow by encouraging us to welcome others. Membership is a personal decision reached by each individual. We can do a lot to allow addicts the freedom to make that decision and reaffirm their commitment to recovery. We can help them feel comfortable in our groups by greeting them at the door, sharing with other addicts before or after the meeting, and exchanging telephone numbers. We try to make sure that any addict who attends our meeting is not turned away. To the extent that it's possible, we choose the most accessible location for our meetings. We may choose a format that reflects an invitational tone. Most of all, we encourage every addict to keep coming back. Um, yeah, good stuff. I, uh, I was, this is one of my favorite traditions as well. And it's, it's actually one of my favorites because it was the one I probably hurt myself with the most um, in the sense of getting it wrong. Um, because I do come from an area that's really... Uh, we don't go out of it too often. And so like what goes on here goes on here. And, and there's a lot of people that when I came here, they'd be like, Oh, he's not a real member. Cause he does this, or he's not a, a member cause he does this. And I would just listen because the people that were telling me are people I trusted, right? Like that I came in and I listened to people that as someone else shared, they were on fire. Like these were, these were the gurus, you know? Um, and actually this is this, this chapter right here got me into my first like real heated, um, interaction with my sponsor that I trusted for a long time. And like, where I was like, Hey, um, I'm not seeing what you see when I read this and, you know, God bless him. He loved me enough to be like, well, that's what you see. And I read it a little differently. Um, and I was like, well, is that okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> can I, can I be nice to that guy? You know what I mean? Like, so, um, you know, I have it on good authority. There's a really good story in the AA big book on tradition three that'll help you get some understanding on it, it was recommended to me once, but, um, I uh I just love this because yeah it frees me up from having to be that guy that goes around the room figuring out who should be here and who shouldn't. And it's funny because all these traditions that I held like caught up in trying to to go out and enforce or figure out right like it really just puts a burden on me. And like the traditions really just free me from hey you don't have to do that. Like I love where it said I don't know if it's right in here but like, if somebody shows up at a meeting that should be you know desire enough. If they showed up that was desire enough for you to just leave them alone and let them be at the meeting. You know, um, I would have lied on the application. I've been known to lie on a few applications. I'll lie to get my foot in the door anywhere. I don't care. Y'all would have been stuck with me anyway. Um, and there was one other thing up top I was looking. And, you know, I so I, I'm really interested in Narcotics Anonymous history. I read a lot of it. But I think it's awesome um, that it kind of reflects, like, we went somewhere else and they didn't know what to do with us. And because of that, we were put out to go somewhere else, not put out really, but, you know, we, we had to find our own space. And so it, we, we have, even in the very beginning in establishing this, we have this direct experience with what happens when you start pick and choose who can come to a meeting. 
So I believe like this, this, especially for our fellowship is super, super important to the heart and soul of, because I've read stories where they weren't sure if they were going to let, you know, cocaine people use it. Cause in the beginning it was just, it was, it was opium and heroin and stuff. And like, Oh, are we going to allow people that use cocaine to come? Are we going to allow other? And they figured out, yeah, we have to, because we, we all suffer from the same disease. Um, so to think that I would have to go somewhere, I used a lot of drugs. Um, so I don't know that I could keep up with a fellowship for each substance. Um, that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks for those comments. Well, I can imagine you're, I can just see you on the, on your application under the honesty section, <laughs> just, just lied about, you know, that whole piece right there. That's really good. And what you were talking about, bro, is the, it's not in the AA big book and it's in the, um, it's tradition three out of the A 12 and 12. And it's, if anyone's interested in, in like what really what, what you could argue kind of lays the groundwork for NA kind of like that birth piece. It's um, it's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful story in there about what happens to addicts who are showing up, showing up there and how tradition three came to be. Um, yeah. So thanks for those comments, bro. What's up, Eva? Hey, hey. Um, so we read uh, at a meeting the other day, we read a, I think it was out of um, the newest literature, a spiritual principle a day. And um, I think anyway, and it was talking about the third tradition and um, people who come back over and over and over again. And um, I think for me um, there for a while, um, I think it was around 10 years clean. I got, you know, kind of, I think it was angry, you know, because people go out and then they die or they go out and they never come back. And um, it's just so hurtful and painful to watch people do that. And um, so I was judging people who would go, I'm back again, you know, and um, I wouldn't extend uh, the same Uh, love for them as I would a new newcomer and I had to really um, <clears throat> look at that and I find today that now I judge myself it, or I judge what I'm judging is when they say I got 90 days again I'm like you got today you got 90 days today you know it doesn't matter if it's again it's it's 90 days and it, and it's a real 90 days and um, when they say again I think um, I think it gets judged like I used to judge it and it's sad. Um, so that's just something that I think about, you know, when I think about the third tradition, I think um, people judge when people come back over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Um, how many times people go, oh God, here they go again with another, you know, whatever color key tag and, um, and, and I wonder how many people go, you know, roll their eyes and how many people really extend that love. You know what I mean? So what I work on today is extending that love. Um, I have my own circumstances. Why? People probably know why, but uh, some people here. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, I think that that's part of the first couple of paragraphs, you know, where it says, we're not asked to make a decision for anyone's fitness for recovery, right? Like, and sometimes they take a little bit longer. And I think a lot of people in this room, in these squares, 
um, said they came back a few times, you know, took them a few tries or whatever. And uh, I'm not one of those people where it took a few tries. So I didn't understand, you know, um, why that took time. But so I guess I was judgy about that. Now I'm kind of like even judging people who judge people <laughs> about, listen, you know, it takes what it takes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's just my thought on that, you know, maybe take a look at if you're judging people who who come in over and over, you know, um, that could be your loved one. So be careful. That's all I got. Thank you for those comments, Eva. What's up, Christine? Hey there. Let's hope that my brain and my mouth kind of sync up because my brain was so much faster earlier than I could, my mouth could get form the words. So have a little patience with me today. Um, I love here this sentence that is desire is not a measurable commodity, period. Like, when I first got here, like I would not have been, I would not have been allowed to stay if somebody thought they could measure my desire. I mean, I was crazy as shit, but I was desperate. And I don't really know if anybody would have been able to connect that my insanity and my craziness was in direct correlation to my level of desperation like I didn't want you to hug me but I had to be here you know um so it was uh something that has always stuck in my head because nobody I, I joke about it a lot but it really is the truth there was another friend of mine and I um got clean like 11 days apart and um like nobody had their money on us to be the ones that lasted for decades. Um, he was talking about killing people in meetings and I was beating on a tree with a tire arm so that nobody would want to hug me when I went in and um, they weren't inviting us to dinner. Like we were just eavesdropping and we just show up to where everybody was like creepers. <laughs> but we were both so desperate to stay clean that, um, you know, we just kept coming and, and I actually, where it says here, membership is a personal decision reached by each individual, like that personal decision came to me and it was a personal decision to stay. I actually picked up a white tag because I wanted to prance my ass in front of the room to pick up a key tag. Like, and then I thought, well, shit, now I can't use because I joined the club. You know, it was like such crazy black and white thinking that um, I was like, well, shit, now I joined this club and I can't use, you know, so that kind of worked for me for um, for a little bit. But as I stayed and, and that desperation was there, it was just, um, yeah, I don't. I do the best that I can to not judge those that come in. In my mind, I think mm, that fucker's crazy like me. He might be here for 30 years. You know, <laughs> somebody's on fire. I've seen them fizzle. But um, I love what Lisa, what Lisa said. If they show up today, like they're here. 
that's that's it and i'm just supposed to love them so i am grateful that we don't have to be clean to be here we just have to have that desire because i know it's harder for some than it is others um, to actually get to the point where they can have sustained freedom from addiction so that's all i got thanks thanks for those comments christine what's up andrew hello um yeah this first uh, sentence desire is not a measurable commodity like i i am guilty of judging other addicts you know um it's not like something i'm proud of and it's not something that i actively pursue but i know that there have been times in the past where like working with sponsees and they said like yeah, i'm just not willing to do 90 and 90 or like yeah, I'm not going to stay out of a relationship for the first year. And like, if I get high, whatever. And I'm just like, well, you don't desire it. Right. Um, you know, and and I think, you know, I love what Will shared about like, if this frees me from the burden of having to like be anybody else's arbiter or anything like that, you know, to say, like, well, do you want it bad enough? You know, um, if you want it bad enough, then you wouldn't X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not Andrew's job. You know, like that's not my role here. And then to go down, we are asked to extend to others the same care and concern that helped each of us find a sense of belonging. And like, what was that for me? You know, what was the thing that people did that let me know I belong in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, about like remembering my name, you know, um, like calling me out in a meeting and saying, hi, Andrew, over there you know, giving me a hug like that, the NA hug that you get where it's just like squeeze, you know, um, transmitting me like their love that way. Um, people come up to me after a meeting and saying like, hey, I, I, I love what you shared, you know, that really resonated with me or, you know, just like y'all showed me that you cared about me and like that let me belong here. That let me, it gave me the freedom to make the decision of like, yeah, I want to be a member of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, you know, and then bookending that, like at the end of the second paragraph, most of all, we encourage every addict to keep coming back, right? That like, no matter what, like we just say like, hey, look, even if you think that like we're a bunch of fucking Looney Tunes, like that's cool. Just come back tomorrow, you know, come back next week, um, go to a different meeting, like just, you know, don't quit before the miracle, just fucking stay, stick around here, you know, um, and it's just like, that's just it's such a cool thing when I'm able to get out of my own bullshit and free myself from like the judgment of other addicts or, you know, like trying to be, you know, the fucking the wizard who's in charge and just saying like, man, what can I do to give somebody this amazing gift that I was given? Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Andrew. What's up, Melissa? Hey, yeah. Um, Tradition three is definitely one of my favorites for sure. Uh, <clears throat> of course, desire is not a measurable commodity. That's like something that I think kind of touches us all. And for me, it was not, uh, it really wasn't the desire to get clean when I got here. I wanted like other stuff that comes like after you get clean. <laughs> and I actually didn't believe I needed to get clean to get those things. Uh, but after a bunch of trial and error and consistent mistakes, uh, I decided to try what I saw working for others around me. Um, this is actually my third time coming to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, I like to say, like, I came for five minutes the first time, 10 for the second, and now I've stayed. 
Um, and it's been years, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to go in a direction now that nobody has touched on before, and it makes me very nervous, okay? But I was literally having this conversation about Tradition 3 at a game night with a bunch of recovering addicts the other day. It's, it speaks on, in this last two paragraphs we just read, a sense of belonging. And as touched on before, it's a care and concern. So some of those things can be seen by the newcomer, and then some things can't be or aren't necessarily noticed. But I want to say that those things are really important too. And one of those things, an, an easier example, and the one that I've seen here recently, and we've all, we also talked about it in the Guiding Principles study, is um, creating atmosphere of safety for the newcomer. Um, now, of course, that's like an, an example of that would be like, like they introduce themselves as an addict and alcoholic. And instead of jumping down their throat, you let them share and you talk to them after the meeting, you know? Um, but another one is, um, I'm very passionate about this. So, uh, so when old timers or mid timers or whatever you want to call them approach other addicts, like they're not in a meeting and in a sexual or, um, ulterior motive type way and I, I've seen it here recently well actually I didn't see it and I was so mad but um anyway th this happened at my home group specifically um here recently and I had my back turned and this is going to be addressed at my, my wolves yeah the wolves right yeah and this person is like I mean, don't get me wrong. We all have character defects no matter how long we've been here for. This person has like over 20 years and this girl had less than six months. It's like, what are you doing? Common sense will tell you that. But anyway, like I said, I'm passionate about this because I had experience and I've shared on the podcast before, you know, that I had experiences with this and like, thank God I kept coming, you know? So anyway, um, we've talked about bringing it up at the home group meeting. So we're just waiting for that to come back around. And I don't know what that looks like. You know, like, um, I don't know, I don't know if that's like someone like kind of keeping an eye out or do we just keep an eye out for this person or do we kind of just in general make sure we're mindful. And, and to me, I think that's what the answer is, but I just think it's very important that we are mindful of creating a safe place for that flame to be fanned, you know, uh, that I'm very passionate about that. Probably because of my own experience as well. And I was like disgusted. And I did everything to avoid that person. But anyway, so that is a um, that is something also to be mindful of when talking about the third tradition, because a lot of people, you know, we can talk about anonymity. We can talk about all these principles, but safety to me is not one that um, comes up very often. And I'm grateful that I did learn about that in the guiding principles study. So what can I do? I can bring it up to others. I can make sure that I'm not doing those things. Um, also, I can share the time, <laughs> um, things like that. And let's see, I also liked, it was touched on about the desire being measured. So I have too looked at someone, even myself in the beginning and like, like I don't want enough or they don't want it enough. And, um, and think, you know, like I can't get close to them. You know, that's a real thing. Like, I don't really do, I do my best. I can't say I'm perfect, but I do my best to absolutely not push anybody out the room but what I will tend to do is decide who's safe or not 
And there is a difference um, between that. That's kind of protecting myself and using discernment. But um, the big thing that I wanted to hit home with this is if they're in a meeting, then today they want it. And that's what's important. So that's all I have. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Melissa. Jennifer, would you be willing to read the next two, starting with the strength of any member's desire on 145? Yes. The strength of any member's desire is not necessarily connected to any outside circumstance. What makes one addict stay clean while another returns to using? No one, no one of us can judge who will stay to recover and who will return to active addiction. There are no guarantees based on the types of drugs used or using history. We cannot predict a higher success rate for addicts of a certain age or those who used for a certain number of years or women over men or other ex or any other external factor. Just, just as we are not capable of measuring another's desire to stay clean, neither are we equipped to decide who should join. We are free to offer welcome instead of judgment. We look for ways Excuse me. We look for ways to help instead of judge. Our task is to fan the flame of desire, not dampen it. Any addict who walks into a meeting, even a using addict, displays a level of willingness that cannot be discounted. While maintaining an emphasis on the importance of total abstinence, still using addicts are welcomed into our meetings with special encouragement to keep coming back. Many recovering addicts do not have access to regular meetings because of incarceration, geography, physical disability, or employment. These addicts are members in every respect as long as they have the desire to stop using and they are entitled to the same consideration and support as any other member. Man, that first paragraph is speaking my language. You know, I showed up in Narcotics Anonymous at 17 years old through a treatment center that I didn't want to be in. I didn't have a desire to stay clean. I had a desire to stay clean long, well, not for me. I had a desire to stay clean long enough so that my parents, I could turn 18 and my parents would get off my back. That was my goal. So I, you know, identify today as an addict, but I don't even think I identified as an addict. You know, when I, I knew that I had a problem with drinking, this was my thing. I separated myself. I had a problem with alcohol and all those other things that I did help counteract the, the, the alcohol effects for me. And, and I, I, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not the person that came here and felt all of this hope and was willing to do whatever it took. It just wasn't who I was. I was angry. It was my parents' fault. It was the world's fault. Like I was treated poorly and I deserved to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted with whoever I wanted, as long as they got me high. Right. That was, that was how I got here. So when I read this, and I'll tell you, every counselor in that treatment facility all told me that I wouldn't make it. And I have 31 years clean, you know? So that right there tells me, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about when we walk pe when people walk into meetings and we have a guess of how it's going to work and how it isn't going to work, right? And, um, and there isn't, I showed up to Narcotics Anonymous and the only thing I did was show up to meetings. That was it. I didn't use and I showed up to meetings. And sometimes that's all we can ask of the person walking in the door. Did you stay clean today? Okay. If you didn't stay clean today, great. Come back tomorrow. Go find another meeting. Right. Um, and those are the two things that I did. The rest of it kind of all happened without my permission. You know, I just kept showing up and I kept listening. Even when I separated myself, even when 
I thought you guys were all a fucking bunch of lunatics. You know, you were too old. You were had too many problems. You had problems that I couldn't even imagine ever having. And here I sit, <clears throat> you know, a member of Narcotics Anonymous, you know, um, and I'm so grateful. There is not a place that I went when I at the end of my using where people were like, welcome, come inside. You know, it was typically people darting out or, you know, like I ain't got nothing or, you know, I can't help you or whatever. Um, and so this is so important for me when I'm in a meeting and I see that person that, you know, has got, you know, they talk about, oh, this is my, you know, 18th, you know, 30 day tag. Great. I'm glad you're here. You know, I'm glad you're here and I hope you don't die if you decide to go out, but I'm glad you're here today. And, um, and that's really important for me. And it was really important for me when I got here, because if somebody would have said, you know, in our, you know, we talk about, you know, you're a member when you say you are right. <clears throat> like I didn't even say I was, and I was still showing up, um, you know, and I figured it out. Um, and if somebody would have shoved something down my throat about how you have to say you're a member and you have to say you're an addict and you have to have to have to, I'd have been out the door in five seconds. Um, and nobody ever did that to me. So, um, my level of willingness was minor, but it was enough to keep me here long enough to figure out what this thing was about. And so I need to make sure that when I'm approaching a new person, a retread, somebody who I think is high in the media, like all of the above, that I am coming at them with the same mindset um, that I was approached with when I was walking in the door and I was new. Um, <clears throat> And I want to say, as I read this, the last of the second paragraph, you know, because this book was written, I, I think it came out and I'm going to look, I think it came out in what, 93? Yeah. So it talks about how cool is it that now we've taken off, you know, incarceration, H&I has grown leaps and bounds. Uh, geography, man, we got our friend Lisa R lives on an island where there's no in-person meetings and she goes to meetings on a regular basis in Zoom. Um you know, physical disability or any of that stuff, man, our fellowship has grown so much that part of this paragraph, like we've been able to change the history of how Narcotics Anonymous works um, in, a, in a fashion that in 1993, nobody could have ever imagined. So I'm really grateful that I stayed and I get to be a part of this. Thanks. Hey, Jen, thanks for those comments. I'm really glad you brought up the piece about still using addicts in meetings. And I've had the experience of, of seeing that many, many times. And and a lot of times it takes like a um, like a member um, who's clean a while and understands like what's going on with that, you know, because my, my experience has been somebody is obviously using, um, I mean, it gets other people sitting in the meeting fucking agitated, you know, it's like a little off balance in there and stuff. And, you know, what I've learned to do from watching another old timer do this, I go sit next to him, you know, I talk to him, I invite him outside to talk to him and stuff like that, you know, and hit him with nothing but love. And sometimes it's almost like, hey, look, you know, stop, I'm gonna fucking stop disrupting this meeting, though. Stop talking after everyone's sharing, you know, loving them, but letting them know, hey, look, this is a, a safe place, not just for you, the using addict, but for the fucking addicts who are desperate to hear a clear message. And that's part of creating that safe environment, too. And um, and that's the top sentence, you know, that's the top two, two or three lines on 146. While maintaining an emphasis on the importance of total abstinence, you know, the still use an addict is welcome, but like me, the emphasis, the basic text is very clear in every chapter, the first 10 chapters, 
we treat our addiction. I'm not talking about like depression, anxiety, erectile dysfunction, you know, whatever the fuck you got. We treat our addiction with, with complete abstinence and 12 step work. That's how we treat our addiction. And that's clean and narcotics anonymous and anything outside of that, you can be a member and you're welcome into the meeting, but we need to protect that message there, you know, and that's part of tradition three for me too. You know, so thanks for those comments, Jen. It started making me think about all that. What's up, Donna? Hey, everybody. I was, um, well, a couple of things came up for me. One of the things was, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I bet it's true. You remember the people that were kind to you in the beginning of this thing. You remember, I remember the people that welcomed me. I remember the people that went out of their way to make sure I knew I was welcome and wanted there despite multiple relapses, you know, and, um, and unfortunately I remember the ones that weren't always that welcoming, you know, I think one of the things to remember um, is that a using addict is uh, somebody comes into a meeting intoxicated or, or relapsing over and over again, they're seen as a little bit of a threat. You're a threat to my recovery, especially if I'm a newcomer, right? And so, then it's really the job of the people that have been around a while, you know, to get make sure and get up next to that person. Douglas, well done. That's exactly what I do, you know, and um, uh, um, to protect the meeting, to protect the addict, the newcomers in the room who might get triggered, and um, and to protect that person from, you know, being ostracized in some way. You know, I let them know that they're welcome and they're wanted. And I'm so glad that they're here. One of the things I say over and over again is the newcomer is the most important person in any meeting, but you're not the only important person in the meeting. We're all there to get clean. We're all there to stay clean, right? This is our meeting. You know, it's our job to protect it. I was thinking about um, just a little bit of desire, just a little bit of hope. And just a little bit of willingness. I mean, it doesn't take a, a, a huge amount of any of those things to make such a huge difference in the life of a person that's trying to get clean. I know for me, there are times when I feel hopeless or, or um, uh, you know, not very willing. And if I could just find a little bit, I can change my whole circumstance. You know, I didn't have any of that when I got here. I had zero hope. I didn't know that addiction was the problem. You know, I thought it was just me. And, um, but I did have willingness to show up, you know, and that little tiny bit of willing and the willingness to keep coming back, right? That willingness to keep coming back. Um, there's lots of great stories in the basic text of Narcotics Anonymous about, you know, uh, what the meaning of the third tradition is, just so everybody knows that, you know, lots of great stuff in here. Um, and a uh, lots of experience with uh, members. Um, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Oh, where it says over here about um, that people can't, I, uh, because of incarceration, geography, physical disability, or employment can't come to meetings. And I wrote in pandemics, right? <laughs> we couldn't come to pandemics and we were still members. Those of us who were just like so determined to keep this thing going. It's like even pandemics won't stop us. Right. I'm really proud of Narcotics Anonymous. Proud to be a member. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Donna. Eric, do you be willing to read the next two? Starting with addicts attend their first meeting on 146. Sure. 
Addicts attend their first meeting for many reasons. Our motives for coming to NA aren't particularly important. The desire to stop using may not be clearly realized. It may be no more than a subtle yearning for relief from pain. But that yearning often drives us to seek solutions we might otherwise never consider. Often the experience of hearing other addicts share about recovery will ignite the desire to stop using. Others come to a meeting, hear the message, and return to active addiction. Those who return to meetings after relapse often say their desire to stop using was born from the pain of relapse. We come to NA for many reasons, but we stay to recover when we find and keep the desire to stop using. The group is not the jury of desire. We cannot measure or arbitrate willingness. Any addict's willingness to come to a meeting ought to be a sufficient indication of desire. It may take a while for an addict to find the desire that will keep her or him in Narcotics Anonymous. No addict should be denied an opportunity to stay long enough to develop that desire. We can nurture that desire with loving acceptance. Um, that is my favorite line in there, which really sums up Tradition 3 for me. Uh, an addict's willingness to come to a meeting ought to be a sufficient indication of desire. Boom. Like simple. So cut and dried. Uh, there's another line somewhere in our literature that says, my job isn't to guard the doors of Narcotics Anonymous, to make sure they stay open. Um, and like, I can relate to that experience that it's talking about, um, like uh, relapse, you know, like what um, we stay to recover when we find and keep the desire to stop using, man, like what that looks like. And it's, uh, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of experience mixed together, you know, like seeing what we got here, going back out and checking out what I left out there, you know, and um, so I don't, I don't know, man, I'm a little bit of scattered that's really the simplest thing i could say about tradition three is those two those two lines there man like uh, what desire is you know or what what's an indication of desire that's being at a meeting you know like i don't need to be distrustful and think that there's somebody in there for some ulterior motives i hear that a lot not everybody comes here to stay clean other people are here for other things and it's like ominous <laughs> and i start wondering like what i wonder what they're here for uh ominous things not good things bad things bad the wolves coming around um the other thing i want to bring up actually was i want to ask you guys an opinion and, and, and experience with this uh something i hear a lot in, in h and i and it's that whole only one of you is going to make it right most of you ain't going to make it or whatever and there's statistics are always be different it's one in 30 one in three whatever it is um and uh you know and like i've heard people in recovery say that that was the thing that made them like wake up and go well it's going to be fucking me you know um and for me it was always like if it's <laughs> you know odds are one out of 30 that i'm going to make it well obviously you know i'm an unlucky bastard i ain't gonna it ain't gonna be me you know so like um anyway i don't know let's do that in there for something to talk about that's all i got Thanks for those comments, Eric. I tend to look at Tradition 3 similar to you. It's very simple, man. When I boil it down, I'm kind of surprised there's so much discussion really, you know, about, about the pieces of it. But I, so what Eric's asking about in the one part is, it, is that what the World Service Office sends out the the member survey, right? Is that where the statistics are, are being pulled from? I think, I would assume. And I guess, I don't know if somebody says, hey, look, you know, um, out of everyone who who has a year clean, you know, a uh, hundred people there, you know, three are going to make it to five years and one's going to make it to 20. If it's fucked up to say that, I don't know if it's statistically accurate. I don't, I don't fucking know why it's fucked up to say that or not. I guess, you know, 
I don't know what good it does, you know, or whatever, but that's my two too expensive sense on that. What's up, Will? Hey, Will, hey. Yeah, um, I, I think 92% of all statistics are made up on the spot. So I don't buy into them too much, uh, especially you can't go back and track it down. But I do know, like, and I've heard that, uh, uh, obviously. But I always tell people too, but we make up those statistics. Like if you decide to go out and use then then you're on the other side. Like for me personally, I got clean in a really small town. Um, I got clean with five people in the same 60 day window that are all still clean today. Um, and then you, you can go like when we do clean time, yeah, there might not be anybody in our area in a three year gap somewhere, but you know, we, if you buckle it, it's one of one, you got, you got one shot. So take your one shot, man. Like, um, all I was going to talk about, man, is it's, <laughs> I, I'm, as I'm rereading this, like, it's funny to me how like very clear this thing is like, basically don't fuck with anybody you see to me. Okay. Just don't, just don't fuck with people. Don't be a dick. Like in, in, like I was a dick for a long time. Like, so it's, uh, it was like, I, you can kind of understand when I finally read this, how upset I got with my sponsor. But anyway, um, I, uh, maybe it's not a, a great topic, but I gamble. I like it. Whatever. If I was to gamble on who I thought was going to make it and not make it in this, this is like process, I would have lost my ass. Um, I have seen people that like, for sure. I was like, no shot still here i mean i have a sponsee that they came here with a paper still good job everything was like i'm only here because they're making me be here i'm getting this paper signed and i'm leaving and he's gonna celebrate seven years in a couple of weeks you know like so like there's just and i've seen people who go who who came in like like me and did the work just like me and went to service just like me and went to area just like me um call me and say don't worry i'm just smoking crack now i'm not going to get back to what i used to do before and it like in a day and it's scary, man. Like it's really scary to me. Like when something like that happens to where I can watch the spit and fire and then turn around the next day and just I'm like, I, I don't understand what you're saying to me right now. I don't understand where this came from. Like, so um, I have a, a very healthy respect for this disease. Um, and if nothing else, like even if they're, I, I believe they're not going to make it or they're not going to stay like I, I do believe eventually one day the, the straw is going to break the camel's back and they're going to want to come back to somewhere where they felt welcomed and where they felt like it was okay. Um, and if nothing else, like I'm going to plant that seed so that when it does hurt enough um, and going back to earlier people using the meetings, like I got a real good lesson in that. Like it, there's, there's no substitution for experience, right? Like, so I, a kid nodding out in a meeting and I was like, Hey man, listen. And he was like, I'm just hoping I make it until I get a bed. And I'm like, fuck I'm an asshole. Like, all right, my my bad, man. Let me help you. You know, because instantly my thing was, oh, he's over here nodding out in this meeting, just fucking getting high and coming in here. And my, my, my man was really like, man, I just hope I don't die before I find a bed and detox. Like, I just need somewhere to be until I can get there. You know, so so I, uh, luckily, I had like a, a awakening on that one real quick. Um, But yeah, that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Will. What's up, Andrew? God bless you, Will. I mean, just it really is that simple, isn't it? Just like, don't fuck with people in me. <laughs> I fucking love that. Um, I, you know, I was really struck by these first couple of sentences. Addicts attend their very their first meeting for many reasons. Our motives for coming to NA aren't particularly important. And uh, Melissa kind of touched on it earlier. You know, like when I came to NA, I was not like, oh, great, I get to quit using drugs forever. Awesome. You know, um, that was not necessarily like a prospect for me. Um, but I know that like, I did want the pain to stop. Right. Um, 
but that it it may be no more than a subtle yearning for relief from pain, but that yearning often drives us to seek solutions we might otherwise never consider. Like, I don't think I ever, I don't know that I would have considered this had I not been so utterly fucked, you know, and had I not felt so terrible, you know, um, so terrible about myself and about all of my prospects and just awful about life. Um, and thank God that there were people again, who like did not, put the stamp of judgment on me or say like, no dickhead, like this is not group therapy, get the fuck out, you know? Um, or like, we're not going to make, you know, mommy and daddy love you again. Like, it was just like, okay, just keep coming back, you know, um, no matter what wacky shit I shared in meetings. Um, often the experience of hearing other addicts share about recovery will ignite the desire to stop using. And I think for me that paired with like, you know, some of our literature, like who is an addict? I can remember reading who is an addict in the halfway house and being like really convicted about like, this is my experience. You know, when, when y'all wrote about like the feelings and like the, the pitiful phony suicide attempts, like I was like, oh yeah, like that's me to a T. Um, and then it finally allowed me to hear you guys share, you know, the hope and the freedom that y'all were experiencing, you know, and it all kind of just like it fit all of a sudden it all fit you know, um, and that like, I, I get to, I, I have to, it's my obligation now to pass that on to somebody else. Thanks. Thanks for his comments, Andrew. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas. Um, a couple things, you know, we, we have a lot of people, people here that come to get their paper signed, you know, and I've heard people say, oh, they never, cause, uh, not many of them stay, you know, it, that, that I see, but, but what I've come to realize, and this is what I tell people, we plant the seed. You know, we plant the seed. You never know. Sometimes, you know, now they're coming in younger, but sometimes people um, come back. And, and I know from my own relapses, there's nothing worse than a head full of N.A. and out there in a dope house, you know. So um, what we do is, is we plant the seed. And I, I was told in treatment two out of 30, and I believe it. I mean, just think. I can think of them. I, I can name quite a few people that have died from this disease, both my son's dads, I see it in the rooms, they go out, I'm sure for a night, and then they die, especially with this fentanyl shit, we, we get in this little bubble where we're safe, and we're in this little community, and, 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 you know, I can forget that there's people dying out there every day, that, that I am so blessed to be in my seat, you know, in Narcotics Anonymous, because a lot of people don't make it, you know, and, or or they go back out and they don't they don't stay. And I like I'm gonna go back for one minute to that. The very beginning it says we focus on the disease of addiction rather than any particular drug. And that's what I heard Paul speak one time, and he said um, we were in a clubhouse, and he said about alcoholism that's too narrow a definition for what's wrong with me. And that's true. You know, I have the disease of addiction, and I can't focus on one drug. You know, because drugs are but a symptom. You know, the longer I stay, the more I see it manifests in my life in many different ways. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm just grateful to be here. And, and that's what, what makes me stay here is re you know, my sponsors told me one time we step over the bodies, Barb. And I was like, Oh my God, I couldn't believe that. And then, you know, but the more I go along, the more I realize, you know, I, that that's what we do. I have to keep my seat, you know, and I have to learn and carry this message to somebody else. So I might not have to step over their body. So thanks. Thanks for those comments, Barb. I'm grateful for my seat too. So Christine. Okay. Totally grateful for mine as well. Um, where it says addicts attend their first meeting for many reasons. 
you know, I mean, I did not want to die, period. I just did not want to die using. That was the motivating factor for me for desperation. I had reached a point where the drug stopped working. I'm one of those addicts where I had overdosed and I was just trying to get high. And I overdosed. And after that, the drug stopped working, but I couldn't stop using. And I knew I was going to die because I couldn't stop and it wasn't working. Um, so that was the, that level of desperation. And when I was in treatment and they gave us that crazy statistic, you know, and I was just in still all the arrogance of the using addict, but still the desperation. When they gave us that statistic, I was the girl who looked around and was like, man, that fucking sucks for y'all. You may as well pack your shit because I'm not dying today. I'm going to be that one. Um, and I'm grateful that I was actually, that God must have touched me for a minute or something to have that conviction. But I was just like, I am finally in a safe fucking place. And I had a little bit of hope. Part of it also was the fact that I had a psycho ex-boyfriend who was, you know, a convicted felon and was stalking me a little bit. So part of me was hiding, but I knew death was inevitable. And um, I love that. Uh, Will, don't be a dick. You know, that's the dating advice I gave my son when he <laughs> became a teenager. I was like, I don't know what else to tell you, buddy. Just don't be a dick. And that really works well um, in Narcotics Anonymous also. We have a guy in our area who literally comes regularly to meetings and is fucked up every time he comes. And we just know he walks in the room and we're like, there he is. And we love him and we give him hugs and he sits and he just keeps showing up and um everyone has tried to talk to him and you know you can pray over him talk to him do all the things but they're not gonna stop and we until they're ready to stop and we can't figure out there's no magic potion for this one we just love him but he still keeps coming I swear it's been like a decade and he still comes regularly and he's trashed every time doesn't disrupt the meeting he but he's He's just there. So we just love him. And um, that is a perfect example of not being able to, you know, the judge, the, the group isn't the judge or the jury on desire and we can't measure it. So we welcome them when they come. That's all I got. Thanks for those comments, Christine. Coming in hot, coming <laughs> in very hot from Utah, Paul M., so, Paul. Hey, everybody. I'm Paul. I'm an addict. I'm out in Heber, Utah on Mountain Time, and I don't know time yet. So I'm sorry I was late. Uh, I liked what, I, what I've heard so far. Um, so the, the thing that, that struck me is I love I, I, the first thing that struck me was Andrew about judgment. Like he was the only one on here who's judgy. L listen, here's the deal. If you use drugs to deal with the world, you are a judgy person. So that includes everybody in this fellowship. 
you know, anybody who went, oh, I don't like the way the world is right now. I'm going to stick a needle in my arm or stick something up my nose has judgment. The only thing that I am hopefully doing by working the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous is that when the short, when the character defect of judgment happens, the shortcoming of acting out on it is removed through the seventh step. And that I don't have to, I have all this internal stuff that goes up in my head about what you should do and how you should share and what you should be doing and what, and I go, hey, can I have a hug? Welcome. I don't, I don't wait for it to be non-judgmental before I go sit next to the person like Donna and Douglas talked about. I carry my judgment over to them and I sit down next to them and I go, hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? That's what I do. And look, I don't think judgment's a bad thing. I need some judgment to go, hey, maybe you don't go with that person after the meeting to the back to the trap house. That's a pretty good judgment. I, I need that judgment. So if you're new and you're listening and you think that this, this uh, meeting said, you have to stick with that person who's using because that's what we do. And no, you don't. You just have to love them in the meeting. And I think that the third tradition comes after the second tradition for a reason. All of this machinations about who's here and who shouldn't be here and all of that is not my business. It's a loving higher power who is in charge of this meeting. I am simply the conduit who has to put the chairs out, make the coffee, do the thing, show up, put people on Zoom, whatever the fucking thing is, that's the conduit. That's all I have to be in charge of, even when I can't get here on time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I still, because there's this driving, I'm driving through the mountain passes, you know, going way too fast and stuff like that. And I'm going, calm down. All you have to do is show up when you show up and be present. And I wasn't even going to share. And then, you know, it's like, you got to share, you got to share. I don't, I don't know if I did need to. All I have to do is show up and this works no matter what, because I'm not in charge. And so I don't get to determine who gets to stay. I have all kinds of judgments. And if you ask my opinion, I'll tell it to you. But the great news of coming here and staying clean is I don't have to share every single fucking thing that goes through my head anymore. And even better than that, I don't have to act on it. Because that's the, that's the seed change here. Because every time I thought about using, I did. Now I can think about using all the time, and I don't. And I still don't get high if I don't pick up. So if you're new, just, you know, and here's the thing, that how the, why this is such a deal is, is we come here afraid. We are in fear that we're going, I thought for a good five years that I was just gonna run out of the meeting and jab a needle in my arm. And so anything that upset that, you know, somebody didn't use the right word. Somebody said sober. Somebody quoted from another book or somebody did this or some, all of that judgment Andrew was talking about. And I thought, oh, if they don't do it right, like it was some kind of hocus pocus incantation, I was going to use. And I stayed here long enough to find out 
that my recovery is not fragile, right, Douglas? My, my recovery is not fragile. And what other people are doing in the meeting does not cause me to use. And that kind of assuredness, that kind of trust in something is the first thing that has ever overridden all of the fear that I came into the Narcotics Anonymous with. And so if you're new, don't worry, you're gonna get there. You just keep coming back. And all the only cling time you have to worry about is your own. You don't have to worry about anybody else's clean time because you can't stay clean with their clean time. You can only stay clean with yours. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Paul. All right, listeners, thank you for kicking with us for this past hour. As always, if if you know somebody who could benefit from this resource, please do uh, please do provide it for them. If there's a way that we could provide it for them, reach out to us in one of the ways that that, that you can contact us. And also, um, rumor is that there's a newsletter floating around, anonymous podcast in print. Check it out on the Facebook page or, or message one of us if you need the link. We love you, folks. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. Oh, there's a podcast number, there's a Facebook page, um, and you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us, allow us to be filled up, and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folks.